What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. So welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have D.D. Is it Morris? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is interesting because I came across you because you asked me to model. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did. (laughs) Yeah. So what is, what exactly do you do? So I'm a photographer. Um, and uh, where to start with that? So, I mean, I would say that like my bread and butter for photography is probably families and um, portraits of women. Okay. And, and then after that, kind of, if I have time and space, I do creative projects for myself, which is where you came into the picture is <laughs> a creative project for myself. Yeah. Um, but I also have a, I have a degree in counseling therapy and so I I try to use that as much as I can in my photography if that makes any sense. <laughs> it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because yeah. so like if you look at Didi's work as I did and I I read the captions and things there's a lot of emotion in each shot and Mm -hmm. sometimes even when you can't really see much of what's going on there's still this sense that there is a a deep story going on behind things Mm -hmm. and I was very curious about that because I was like I I feel like you're very deep thinking and uh very um no, deep. Nah, deep is like, I'm trying not to use the word deep, but it's really like there is more. There's so much more beneath the surface. It's not just mm-hmm. pretty pictures. There's a lot going on there. Yes. Um, I. It's kind of my like, my goal is to tell people stories. And so I believe that in order to actually tell them, I need to know their story first. Mm-hmm. So when I take photos, it's not, I mean, the the work that I did with you is a, a little bit different in that, but cause it was very much what I wanted to project, not really about you specifically, mm-hmm. but when I take photos of families or like the fine art portraits that I take of females, I spend a lot of time behind the scenes with them first. Like I, um, I go back and forth via email or phone calls or Zoom chats or Zoom video and, and ask them a lot of questions about who they are and how they connect to um, the people in their lives and how they connect to themselves. So I, I get pretty deep with, pretty, with people pretty quickly. I think because I have the training to do so, I can dive right in mm-hmm. without making them feel like afraid of me. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's my goal with, with what I do is to really tell people's stories. And, okay. it, it, yeah, it becomes more meaningful to me, too. And 
I don't know, like some people don't need to have meaning in what, in what they do. And that's totally fine. But I find that I can sustain myself longer if I do have meaning. Do you find that, like, do you get bored if there's like a bigger story to tell? Yeah. Like I don't take on a lot of weddings because I feel like, like, even though, you know, they have their story, like they have their love story. Um, a lot of it's just kind of fluffier photos. Like it's, you know, taking pictures of the reception is, um, you know, taking pictures of other people's intoxicated friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't do a lot of weddings unless they're really small and intimate. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like, I think that if I were to just go and meet the family and not know them and just go and take their photos and then leave again, I think I would get bored. Yeah. It wouldn't push me to be more creative because I wouldn't necessarily be telling a specific story, story that's different from someone else's. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think, I think that knowing somebody's story really actually helps me to push myself creatively. So because of this, I, um, you seem to vet your clients very carefully. I do. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, my, my wedding clients, like I, I, I really only book like four weddings a year because I, I also don't have a lot of free time to edit weddings because they take a lot longer. Yeah. Um, but um, I book based on their very first email, which has to start with, I really love your work. And this is why I want to hire you. <laughs> yeah, because if they start with um, how much do you cost, I know they're not my clients. Uh-huh. Not that I'm like super expensive. It's not, you know, like I'm not like out of, out of the norm in terms of wedding packages, but I just want to make sure that they really want me to be their wedding photographer. Yeah. As someone who's had a wedding shot and, and paid for that, mm-hmm. um, it, it's important, at least for me, like I trusted my photographer 100%. And yeah. You need that, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, I think that translates into any shoot, really. Like, you really need to trust your photographer because they're there to capture you. So if you don't trust them, then you're not really going to show who you are. Mm-hmm in that shoot yeah so Didi, let's take it back uh, where did you mm-hmm. grow up i grew up in owen sound ontario okay so yeah. what led you to nova scotia well i went to university in new brunswick met my husband there when i was 19 and married him when i was 19 and have wow. been married now for 22 <laughs> years i know a veteran yeah oh uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, very lucky is what I like to tell people. <laughs> yeah, <obviously>. nineteen. <laughs> um, yeah, and we um, had only dated for three months, so wow. uh, I'm very, very spontaneous person, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> adventurous. Um, and he surfed, so he wanted to move to Nova Scotia. He's from Calgary, and I refused to move to Calgary, and he. <laughs> had no desire to move to Ontario and neither did I really. So we moved here Mm. in 2003, I think was when we moved to Nova Scotia to the Eastern shore. Wow. Cool. I see you incorporate your mother as well. I am a mother. Yes. I have two 
two girls are twins. They're four years old. Okay. They're intense little creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Yeah. I see you incorporate them into your work and, and tell those stories. It's very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to incorporate them because they're, they're inspiring really. Like they inspire me to push myself and, and look for new ways to express. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I get the sense that you were a little bit of a wild child growing up. Is that true? Uh, you know, in some ways I was, and in, I would say that I was a wild child, but not necessarily in the way that you're thinking. Mm. Like I didn't, I didn't drink alcohol until I was 20. Okay. And I didn't do any, I've never done drugs. So in that sense, I am not a wild child like at all, Mm -hmm. but I was very much of my own mind. Like people would, my parents especially would really have to explain to me why I couldn't do something (laughs) if I wanted to do it. And if they couldn't come up with a good explanation, I just would do it. (laughs) They couldn't stop me. So in that sense, I think like wild, yes but not in like a party animal sense. I mean, I loved going to parties, but I just wasn't like interested in intoxication. Uh Uh-huh. I think I might have a couple of those uh, daughters myself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they question everything. Yeah. Yeah, one of mine does for sure. (laughs) And and the funny thing is, is it doesn't actually help me to know how to like talk to her or Mm -hmm. how to like help her move through it. Yeah, yeah. It, it puts you in this weird space as a parent where, at least for me as a creative, I love it on one hand. And then the mm-hmm. other hand, I'm like, okay, but you know, I just really need you to do this thing right now. So I... <laughs> it's, it's really hard <laughs> when you work from home and like, yeah, boundaries is a big thing that I'm still working on. Like yeah. knowing when I'm working and when I'm not so that I can just focus on them. Right. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's tricky. And you've got two at the same time, so. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very intense. Yeah, so uh, you seem like you're very much connected to nature in, mm-hmm. in, in a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the country. Okay. And um, we had a farm and I lived in the woods. Like I just, I ran around barefoot all the time like it would that was just my life and I think there's just something inherent in me and probably in in everybody but um yeah I'm very much in touch with that part of me that is very connected to nature Mm -hmm. so I very much know when it's necessary to go outside (laughs) for myself like it's so grounding for me yeah so so what led you to photography um, I think I've always loved it, even as a little kid. Like, you remember those um, uh, 110 film cameras? They were, like, long and rectangular. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's what, that was my first camera okay. as a little kid. Yeah. And I just, like, always loved having it in my hands. And I wasn't taking pictures of anything special. It was, like, I mean, it was special to me, but it would have been, like, you know, a sunset over and over again. Mm-hmm. But, um, and even through high school, I just always had, I was always the one in the group taking the photos. And, and then I went to university for literature and um, history, my undergrad, and just it 
it stayed with me. Like I always took pictures and always was interested in it, but I never really thought of it as like an avenue to like, you know, really concentrate on until I graduated. And then one day I was just like, you know what, I'm going to like focus on this for a little bit and see if I can learn more and actually like do it mm. <laughs> like intentionally. Yeah. So I took a class, took a class from a lady in St. Andrews, New Brunswick in her basement. And I borrowed an SLR camera cause I didn't have one at the time. Mm-hmm. And she taught me, she taught, there was like four of us, I think in the class, she taught us how to shoot manually using slide film. Wow. And she, yeah, her, her reasoning for that was because it's the hardest thing to learn on. Smart. Cause it, yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. And I, I still have all those slides somewhere in my house, but that was the first, that was the first photography class I ever took. And then I took one more at NASCAD, but that was to learn to develop film. And uh, that's it. How do you feel? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that's all the like any sort of formal education I have in photography. Okay. So today, are you Mm -hmm. shooting primarily digital? Yes. How do you feel about that transition from film to digital? Um, it has its pros and cons. I still think film is the best thing to shoot on. Like a digital still can't touch it, but Mm. it is very convenient to shoot on digital. (laughs) It's it's a lot more cost effective to be shooting with digital. Right. Right. Do you, um, spend a lot of time in post-production in your work? No, not a ton. Um, I don't do a lot. I I try my best to get most of the stuff done in camera. Um, but yeah, I like, you know, I tweak a little bit in, in post, but not a ton. Hmm. So it takes me like, it takes me like three hours maybe to do like a one and a half to two hour shoot to edit it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is like, I would say that's like maybe like going through like 800 images. That's really good. <laughs> yeah (laughs) jeez yeah i've got it down i've I've got it down and i don't use lightroom this is the other thing i don't use lightroom i know a lot of photographers are like oh you gotta use it but i didn't learn on lightroom because i learned before lightroom was a thing right so i learned on photoshop and i just have never taken the time to learn lightroom but it i don't know photoshop works for me so that's what i do that's kind of me too i i not that I'm a photographer, but when I do mm-hmm. shoot, there are times mm-hmm. when I, I try to open up Lightroom and I'm just like, I don't have the energy to teach myself this thing. That is exactly it. It's the energy part. <laughs> I'm not very technological. Like it takes, I have a very steep learning curve when it comes to technology. Mm-hmm. And so I just know that I know what I know and I can play with what I know a little bit, but to like learn a whole new program is very daunting to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not worth it to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you got something that works for you. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're fantastic at what you do. So I don't, you know, I think it works. Yeah. Um, I think it works. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, so I'll take it to the, the thing that drew me to you is mm-hmm. this project uh, shifting mm-hmm. polarities. And 
you had the the tagline uh the sub subtitle portraits of renewable abundance mm-hmm. so in the description it says these portraits explore the fluid spaces of gender and our connection with non-human world both organic and synthetic from a range of mass of masculine identifying perspectives my mm-hmm. hypothesis is that there is not one gender or world without the other without mm-hmm. flow between these polarities mm-hmm. i i love the concept it's, you just, you hooked me right away with it and cool. um you know then your work i was like oh yeah i trust i trust this person to do something amazing so what yeah. what made you want to explore gender in this way when you typically uh, shoot women yeah so that's a really good question um last summer i was so i i conceived of this project about three years ago and i just i there was something that just was keeping me back from actually just going for it i just didn't i don't know what it was i didn't feel quite ready to like jump into it logistically it felt a little bit difficult and out of my realm um just like organizing all the people all the flowers and and i'm like actually I know a lot of people have a hard time believing this, but I'm actually an extroverted introvert. So (laughs) I come across as very extroverted, but inside I'm like, eek. So yeah. um, So stepping outside of my comfort zone is not that easy when it comes to people. Um, And so I just kind of put it on the shelf and just like let it sit there and kind of grew a vision board for it over the years. And then last summer, I was um, teaching a workshop at, a, at an arts festival in New Brunswick. And it was, they asked me to teach about heart-led photography. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine. I ended up talking a lot about, um, not even talking, really just like holding a space for people to be vulnerable with each other <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this place. Mm. <laughs> And so I like led them through a bunch of different activities. Um, I made them partner up and stare at each other for five minutes, like looking <laughs> into each other's eyes. Yeah, it was intense. Um, and, but it was amazing. And, and what happened was, is at the end of the, there was like five guys there. Mm-hmm. And at the end, one of them asked me, why I don't ever shoot men? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if he was like looking for some like, profound feminist answer or something that I just said. <laughs> All I said was, I just, they never asked me. I've never been asked <laughs> by a man to photograph him. So I was like, I would love to, that'd be great. But no one's ever asked me. And he was, he was kind of shocked by the answer. And, but then it, it like kind of was, it triggered me and was like, okay, so maybe I just don't wait for them to ask and I should just ask them. Mm-hmm. So that was when I was like, okay, I think I'm actually ready to do this shoot now. And that night I got an email from Alan Nielsen, who um, is part of the viewpoint gallery asking me to do a solo show in February. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well this feels a little bit like kismet. Like maybe I should actually try to pull this off in the next four months and, and try and get it printed and, you know, framed and all that kind of stuff and, and gallery ready. And so I wrote him back and I was like, I would love to, as long as you're okay with me doing something totally new. And he was fine with it. So 
Um, so that was the start of it was like, okay, so these two things just kind of clicked together. And, and I think I just was a lot more ready now than I was three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how it it came up. Like the idea of, um, shooting this came about, but the, the like larger thing came because three years ago I just ended doing a project with women that was, I think 40 women were involved in it. And it was all about exploring female vulnerability and like how females connect to themselves. Um, And I called it, we are the wild. And so the next step for me was to then explore male vulnerability. And I, and I think like the word vulnerable is so associated with the female that I was, that I kind of turned it into this, like, you know, how to do this in a way that like draws out male vulnerability and, and explores the feminine in the male. Mm-hmm. So like when I say gender, you know, I, that brings up so many, so many things for so many people, like so many different things for so many people, but for me, it's about energy. It's about like, we all have male, we all have masculine energy in us and we all have female energy in us. Right. And so to me, the world can't run with only one of those. Mm -hmm. So if everybody were able to like fully embrace both sides, man, this place would be awesome. You know what? I, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I think like that was partially what really drew me to this because, uh, as a masculine identifying person, Mm -hmm. I often found myself in situations growing up and sometimes today still where I'm confronted with well, as a man, you're supposed to do this or you're supposed mm-hmm. to feel this or you're not supposed to feel certain things. Yeah. And sometimes my reality was going against those things. And, yeah. you know, you start to feel like, what well, does this mean? I'm not a man or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, or mm-hmm. does it matter that I'm a man? Does it, you know, <laughs> so, you know, like all these, eventually as, as I, you hit a certain age, at least for me, I just, it's like I don't give a fuck what any of these people think. I'm just gonna be exactly. me and throw yeah. out all the gender rules and just do what makes mm-hmm. sense for me. And, and that's sorry, I'm interrupting. No, go, go for it. Yeah. Um, that's that's where I kind of feel like um, I wanted to bring the flowers in because to me it was like it's kind of inevitable that we end up feeling both. Yeah, And so like for the man, it's kind of inevitable that the female energy will erupt at certain times in their lives and take over. And that doesn't mean that you like, that you're trans or that you're gay or that you're anything, but who you are, it just means that you're listening to that side mm-hmm. or to that part of you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just like really wanted the flowers to like, look like they were kind of erupting from the men and from the space that they were in because Uh, I, I just feel like it's an inevitability. Like, like for me, it's inevitable that I am going to be listening at times to my masculine energy more than my female energy because I need to get shit done. And let's just be frank, like men have 
the ability to get shit done. <laughs> Females <laughs> tend to be a little more in flow. <laughs> and right. this is, of course, generalizing. Yes. But yeah, like the associations are there with the females. And, and of course, there are like females that, that um, feel more masculine than feminine. But we have all of it in us. Yeah. And, and listening to both sides is actually super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like in, in my relationship, my wife's female identifying, but she definitely has more of the get shit done mentality. Than yeah. I <laughs> yeah. I love those females. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I and love it, those people. <laughs> I could sense like, you know, when I hear certain, some guys talk, like they, they're, they're very threatened when, they date a woman who feels that way and I never mm -hmm. felt uncomfortable with it. I think mm -hmm. my mother's kind of similar. So maybe that's why. Uh, okay. It, it's, I just found, find it interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it also, at times I know my wife would like want me to, to just know the right thing to do in certain situations. Mm -hmm. I just don't, don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> That's why you married her. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, you got, you can handle this. It's okay. It's okay. And I'll support, I'll, you know, but yeah. then there are times when, you know, I have to also remind myself, like, uh, it's my turn to like kick in and step up and do what I need to do. So. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's like a balance, right? Like it's um, finding not even a balance. I actually don't really like using that word. I like the word harmony better. Yeah. Cause I think it's like harmonizing the two, the two to like find a really good rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not always easy, but like, yeah, I, I, mm -hmm. I'm fully into like sort of slipping in between and, mm -hmm. and just figuring out what works for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, cause I've, I've addressed gender in some of my work before as well. Mm -hmm. It's just, I just, the, um, the idea of it, I think, I love the way society's going where we're really taking the time to consider what it means. And yeah, me too. Yeah. It's really cool. So have you had any major creative influences on you? Any major, I mean, I studied a bit of art history and so I would say that, um, yeah, like, um, I would say that Rembrandt is a very <laughs> major wow. influence on me. <laughs> Um, his use of lighting is is pretty amazing and I I try to like replicate that a lot in in the way that I shoot um, which is like you know just I focus a lot on um, the shadows instead of the light like I I should say that I shoot for the light so that the shadows are apparent mm -hmm. um, and yeah so I would say that that Rembrandt would be a big one. Um, there's a lady in, um, she lives in, in Nashville. Her name is Joy Prouty. She's a family photographer and she's always been a really big influence on me, the way that she approaches um, shooting families and, um, and understanding them and knowing their story and kind of getting to the, to the heart of the matter real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a workshop by her actually in ooh, 2011, maybe in when she was living in Washington and it was, that was really, really great. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she would be another photographer that, um, that has had a lot of um, influence on me. Um, 
otherwise I try, like I actually try hard not to be influenced. <laughs> I feel that. By other people. <laughs> I feel like, like Instagram is amazing in terms of like, it can go both ways. Like you can feel really inspired to push yourself or you can feel like you just need to crawl in a hole and give up. Seriously. So, <laughs> so I try like, I try to just like, I try to see that as a, as a whole as being inspirational and like applauding everybody who's on there and putting themselves out there. Yeah. But I also, you know, I, I also just know that I want my stuff to be unique to me as much as that is possible. Mm-hmm. So I try not to like, be influenced that much by what other people are doing. Yeah. You know what though? I studied art history too. And as soon as you said Rembrandt, I was like, that day, I, I see it. I see it in your yeah. work. Even some of the totally. facial expressions from people. Yeah. Kind of remind me. Yeah. So um, do you like, if there was one piece of advice, would it be that just that like try to, you know, you have your influences, but don't necessarily get too wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so huge and like just exploring and playing and having fun with the tool that you have, which for me, it's the camera Mm -hmm. for someone else. It might be a paintbrush. Um, I think like, you know, finding and, and exploring your own creative voice is like a huge thing. And I like, I teach workshops on that. Like just, to get people out of their heads and, and step away from, from themselves to just like, like almost just getting out of the way. Like Freeman Patterson actually writes a lot about that. He's a New Brunswick photographer mm. and he writes a lot about, um, he has a book called the art of seeing and, okay. uh, and he writes in there about getting out of your own way to, to be able to see things. And I love it because it's so true. Like if you're in your head so much about, you know, what other people are going to think or what it's going to look like or how, it, how it's going to turn out. Just who cares? Just try it. Have fun. Play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get, I, I love it. I love it. So, um, shift in polarities. I went mm-hmm. to see it the other day. Mm. Uh, great. Sh- uh, I really love it. And it's still on until March 1st. Yeah. So anyone who's in Halifax, please make sure you check it out. Uh, is there anything coming out that you want to promote or talk about? Um, I have another retreat coming up for female photographers. If um, anyone's listening and looking for a place to come and um, learn from me and from each other, um, we will be talking a lot about creative voice in that and um, inviting emotion into your sessions with your clients and, vulnerability and getting um getting past a little bit of you know fears and things that might be holding you back from taking your next step with whatever that might be for you and yeah so that's at the end of march march um 27th to 30th i believe okay yeah and it's in nova scotia in nova scotia yeah all right so where can people find you online ddmorris.com all right Sweet. Thank you so much for having me here. No, thank you for doing the show and thank you for doing the work that you do. I appreciate it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Art Caving Podcast. 
Thank you to Lange Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.